You're listening to the Common Grace Podcast, stories of common grace and common people for the common good. What comes to mind when you hear being in the moment? Do you ever feel like your thoughts are somewhere else? This week, Kate Konzelman joins us to share on mindfulness. Kate is passionate about helping people work through barriers and experience freedom. She has expertise working with foster families and specializes in counseling individuals experiencing anxiety, depression, processing childhood trauma, and PTSD. This week, Kate shares how being mindful can be a meaningful and enriching journey for all ages to expand our personal well-being and bring us gratitude to the life God has given us. We're welcoming Kate Konzelman to the podcast. Kate, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super happy to be here. Mindfulness. This is a concept that has, I think, rooting in the Christian tradition. And I think it's a it's an important, it's also an intriguing topic for people in our world right now. Some people might call it practicing the presence, practicing God's presence, being with us. But really, how are we here right now and here with him? Would you maybe talk to us about your understanding of mindfulness and why it can be a really powerful tool for people? Mindfulness in its simplest form is the practice of staying present. If you were raised in the church like I am, the term mindfulness oftentimes triggers also the word meditation. And I think that at least in my experience with the church, I only heard negative things about meditation. There was kind of a fear of what that was, what that entailed. And so as we're talking a lot more about mindfulness, I think it's important just as we're talking to the church too, that there is a distinction between meditation and mindfulness. And also just that the practice itself of staying present is actually a biblical practice doesn't mean that every form of meditation or mindfulness is always going to be the right thing necessarily for you or your family, but in its simplest form, staying present is a really good biblical practice. And I do think it's important because anxiety keeps us in the future and in the past, and really gratitude is what centers us in the moments, thanking God for what is currently true. And mindfulness is the way that we practice this command of gratitude. We practice this command of staying present in the moment. I read this book, shoot, I'm not going to remember the name, but the author makes the point that the present moment is really the only real moment. Like that's, that's reality. And we can project about the future as much as we want to, but none of that's based necessarily in truth or reality. But the present moment we're living in is reality. And that's why Jesus, I think, talks so much about keeping us present in the moment and not worrying about the future, even though that's a tall order. And yeah, so I can talk practically what mindfulness looks like. I'm not sure if that's helpful or that's kind of like a a big picture. But I do think that mindfulness is a helpful tool in keeping us grounded. Well, you did a really good job painting the big picture. What if you what if you broke it down into pieces in ways that make sense to you and then we can maybe come back out to the big picture later? Absolutely. Yeah. When we talk about practicing mindfulness at well counseling, there's a variety of ways that this can look. A lot of people feel really resistant to the idea of like sitting on the couch and closing their eyes and having this moment of peace because 
one, it doesn't feel very realistic if you have like children running around or meetings that you've got to get to or whatever it is. And that is one form. In fact, I'll just throw out, I use the app Headspace, which is a mindfulness app. And I really like it. There's some things that, you know, you can leave or take whatever works well for you, but it's guided mindfulness and it's like five minutes and it helps you to take the distractions of the day for a moment and create space for that. Another way to do that biblically, if you want to incorporate this into your time with the Lord is through a Psalm. I'll just pick one verse and have a moment of just allowing God to speak to me in that verse for maybe five minutes and just take a moment, take a break, right? You can also do this through walking, going on a walk, go outside, walk around the neighborhood. You're really trying to pay attention to your five senses, which sounds, you know, kind of elementary and it is, but we don't pay attention to our five senses very much. We're up in our head quite a bit. So you're just going to be paying special attention to what you're feeling, like by touch, what you can smell, what you can see. You're taking a moment to bring yourself to that very present moment. And you can do this with your kids. I do this with my younger clients. Almost at the beginning of every session, we call it five senses, (laughs) which it is. That's what it is. And I have them just go through each of the five senses and describe to me what they're experiencing of each of those senses. You You can teach your kids this, help lead them in that on the way to school or on a walk in the morning. And gratitude is also another practical way of doing this, talking through what you're grateful for for today, for right now. And that also centers us in the moment. So good. This sounds like a practice, something you have to practice in you. You're practicing being present to your perceptions, you know, seeing, smelling, hearing, just so practical. It seems like it's so easy to jump past. Why do you think it's so easy to jump past to like our normal way of being in the world, whether it's more cognitive or it's getting back to work or it's thinking of worrying about the future? <laughs> yeah. Why is this? You, you say like it's very simple, but it doesn't seem very simple to to practice at times. We run past it. Maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's really true. I will say I think that the number one thing that is killing mindfulness in our culture right now is, and I mean, this is going to make me sound like a grumpy old lady, but (laughs) is our phones. Technology has really (laughs) inundated us. And I say this from a place of this being true in my life. I, in the morning, if I'm having a cup of coffee and I do have 20 minutes before a session or something, it is way more easy for me to just grab my phone and lose that time over 20 minutes than sit in a moment of mindfulness and practice that. And you're right, it's habit forming. Everything we do is because of a habit we've created. Just like going to our phone is a habit that we've created, we can counter those habits with good habits like mindfulness, but it's gonna take practice and it is going to take discipline. And (laughs) habit forming is not glamorous. So (laughs) that's, that's for sure. But yeah, I I definitely think there's a lot of things that are just begging for our attention. And the phone is an easy way, particularly when we're in stress, to feel like we can kind of escape 
it's kind of mind numbing, which is why I think we actually enjoy being on our phones so much is because we see it as taking a break, right? But the reality is if we're being totally honest, when we get off of the 20 minutes of our phone and we've maybe spent $30 on something we didn't need, we never feel better, you know, we just feel a little more drained. And so it takes a lot, of, it takes a lot of practice to, to switch those habits, but it, it would be really, I think it would benefit us all, including myself. How do you see practicing mindfulness, helping relationships with our friends and our family? And you were talking about learning to do this with friends and family. What are the benefits for them as we practice this and then maybe extend it from there? If you think about it, you notice when you're with someone who is present with you, right? I mean, there's really a big distinction from someone who you're like, when you think of this person, I think of someone who's just paying attention to what I'm saying and is present with me, is aware of what's going on, aware of what I'm feeling. And that's someone probably who is fairly good at being present and mindfulness keeps us present. And then there's those people that you're with that you are very aware that they're distracted and you almost want to just like, like excuse yourself because you feel like you're in the way of whatever it is that they need to be thinking about or doing. And so I do think that we love each other better when we are able to be present, when we're able to be mindful. And I think as a family unit, I would say this is a huge opportunity for parents to lead in that and to kind of lead their kids in this mindfulness, both by being present with them in what they're experiencing, but also even in just leading in conversations around gratitude or around the five senses, or when you go on a walk, pointing out, what do you notice about that tree? You know, how does the air feel to you today? Like, it feels silly to say that, but that's some of the wonder and the beauty of childhood is experiencing what's around us. And right now, we're experiencing a lot more of our phones than what's around us. And I think we're kind of, we're hurting our kids in that way because there's so much that we're not showing them or experiencing with them because we're distracted. Mm. It sounds like curiosity plays a role. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I will say about curiosity, curiosity and imagination are the first two things to go in stress. I feel that in some of the stress that we're experiencing in our lives that I lose my curiosity and I lose my imagination first. And when that's one of the trademarks that we see of kids in drama is that they don't have the ability to have an imagination. So we want to fight for that. We want to fight for the beauty of curiosity and imagination. And that means that we have to be present as parents. We have to be present as friends and present as partners to be able to create an environment where curiosity and imagination can still happen. Mm. You know, you mentioned earlier when you want to be present with someone, but they're not present with you, they're on their phone or they're worried about something. You use the term you can feel in the way or in their way. Do you think adults' lack of mindfulness impact kids in that way? Definitely. I think... I really, sometimes it catches me off guard what kids will share with me in counseling. 
And granted, it's not a fair comparison to parents because my whole intention for an hour is to be very present with this person. And that's just not real life parenting. So I I don't want to compare that. But one of the surprises that I'm experiencing right now is as schools are starting to open up and kids are going back to school in in some hybrid form or whatever, I've anticipated that this is going to be really exciting. And I think parents anticipate this to be very exciting, both for themselves and for their children. And what I'm finding after some digging is that I would say 90% of my kids are so terrified to go back to school and are really struggling with the idea of going back to school. And I think that's something like if we're not mindful, if we're not being present, we're going to miss that with our kids, right? I mean, I would not assume that to be the case, but kids are feeling like it's not the same experience. It's unstable. They might get pulled back out. They don't want to wear a mask or they started seeing their friends as a danger, a health risk. And this is, these are things that as adults, we, we want our kids to feel safe sharing these things with us. And if we're not being present and we're not being mindful, they are going to feel like they're in the way and they're not going to open up about these things. When kids can't talk about something, it comes out through their behaviors, (laughs) which is way harder to love than the like (laughs) well-packaged, this is how I'm feeling conversation. But that's really true. It's like they, they process their emotions through their behaviors. So if you're seeing an uptick as kids, as your kids are headed back to school in some weird behaviors, dig into that because there's probably something else going on there that they're feeling that they may not even really understand. Could you give us maybe a story that might illustrate exactly what you're talking about? Well, yes. Yesterday, um, I was meeting with a younger client. She's eight and her mom and her mom was so frustrated because they, you know, got her this new backpack so she can go back to school with her cute new backpack and When she gets home from school, she's supposed to leave it in the garage because they don't want her to carry in any germs into the house. And this eight-year-old girl has been bringing her backpack in and setting it on the kitchen counter. And then mom says, you know, you're not supposed to put this on the kitchen counter. You need to put this back out in the garage. And then eight-year-old girl has a huge fit crying and yelling and it escalates and mom's crying and yelling and then everybody's angry. <laughs> and so we got to a place where we realized that she's just dealing with a lot of anxiety around school. And even the thought of like the bringing the backpack into the house could incorporate some germs is overwhelming for her. She doesn't know how to describe this. She doesn't like that she gets her temperature taken every day when she shows up at school, that she can't hug her friends and she feels like there's this risk. And so as we have this conversation, it changes. She still needs to leave the backpack in the garage. And that's still part of our plan moving forward. But it changes the approach from just seeing it as defiance to seeing it as I'm feeling anxious and I just want to come home and feel safe. And I don't know how to, you know, to to tell you that. Anyways, that's an example of behavior really masking a lot of emotions. And parents, I will say, does not mean that that behavior is okay. We're not here to just dismiss big tantrums and all that kind of stuff. But if you can get beyond that to something deeper and then still address the tantrum and how that's not an okay response, it tends to be 
more lasting impact. Be curious rather than furious. <laughs> there you go. I like that. <laughs> um, I wasn't planning on doing this, but I thought this might be cool. It just It just occurred to me. Would you mind just treating us as, as listeners right now, as a friend or a client, however you want to see Kate, would you mind just taking us out through maybe a mindfulness moment? You know, maybe how you might do with your clients and maybe just, you know, take us through a mindfulness moment together. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I'm just going to have you close your eyes. We're able to remove distraction easier when we close our eyes. If you're driving right now, you can do that later. Yeah, if you're driving, please do not do this exercise. Yeah, this is, I will actually clarify that. This is going to be for like if you were sitting on the couch, okay? <laughs> because I'm not trying to get anybody in any accidents. And I don't want to be quoted for this. So, no, keep going. You were doing great. Oh, you, keep going. Yeah, okay. If you're sitting down and not authorizing a vehicle, please close your eyes. And you're just going to take a few deep breaths. And as you breathe in, I want you to inhale slowly. And as you exhale, imagine you're blowing out a candle. I'm just going to give you a couple moments to do this. And I'm doing it with you. And I just, however you're sitting, whether you have your feet up or it's on the ground, I just want you to notice how your body is making contact with whatever surface it is making contact with. Feel the weight of your body making contact with the surface. And if you are distracted by different noises that are going on around you, just take notice to what those noises are. If it's a bird outside or a loud car, just listen to that noise. And as you continue to breathe in slowly and exhale, I want you to breathe in and then exhale that anxiety. Whatever's been on your mind this morning or you've been mulling over, when you are breathing out and you're blowing out a candle, you're blowing out that anxiety and you're breathing in peace. Just take notice of your hands and how they feel, where they're sitting, what they're touching, and the textures. And if there's any noises, again, don't become stressed by those noises. Just listen to them. And if any thoughts come in or you're reminded of what you're missing or you need to be doing next, just take note of those thoughts and then let them pass through. And just for today, I want you to breathe in this promise 
from the Lord. That he's aware of our weaknesses. And he doesn't see weakness as a problem. In fact, he sees it as a way for us to draw closer to him. And that gives him pleasure. So just breathe in acceptance and breathe out the expectations you have on yourself, whether that be keeping it all together or looking like you have it all okay, keeping the right image. I just want you to breathe that out and receive the acceptance from the Lord, the acceptance of everything that you are. And as we're transitioning from this, I just want you to, again, pay attention to your body and how it's, how it feels on the surfaces around you. Pay attention to the noises around you and listen to them as they maybe come back to you. And you can take a few moments, however short or long as you want, to slowly open your eyes and come back to this moment. I feel peaceful. I feel more present. Kate Consman, thank you for joining the podcast. What a joy. Thanks for having me, George. Good to be here. You've been listening to Common Grace, a Whitewater Church podcast. To learn more about us, visit us online at whitewaterchurch.org or reach out to info at whitewaterchurch.org. Thanks for listening. 